0: The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Welcome back to another episode of They've Get It. We have Kavisha, owner of Everyday Skincare, on the line with us this week. If you're unfamiliar, Everyday Skincare aims to help skincare enthusiasts simplify their skincare routine by producing effective, high quality, and minimalist skincare products. And so, if you look at their website, if you look at their brand ethos, you can see they care so much about the quality of the ingredients in each product. And they've got something for everyone, whether it's you know one of their standard products from their most popular formulations to even custom formulations you can just tell that Kavisha knows what she's talking about. Kavisha gets it <laughs>
1: I don't know what else to say um, <laughs> but no seriously I mean this one checks all the boxes it's female founded it's based in Canada um, it's made by an expert and you can tell that she did this and she, she started this business because she just loves it and yeah she Cares about it and she wants to put out great products. And I just think when that's at the foundation of your business, you're kind of set up for success because you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and I mean, I'm a skincare junkie. I've definitely tried to educate myself more on skincare over the past few years. So this episode is really fun to. Talk a little bit about the skincare industry and the ty- types of marketing that takes place in the skincare industry um, and what you should actually be looking for in your products and your routine. Um, so, if you're interested in trying out Everyday, we have a discount code for you. They get it 15. We'll get you 15% off your first skincare purchase from Everyday. So, with that, let's jump right into the episode. Let's do it. Today, we've got Kavisha here with us from Everyday Skincare. Kavisha, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting to you guys
1: today. We're very excited to be chatting with you too. I think the first thing I want to touch on, um, because I think it's a real story of like resilience, is you moved from Australia to Canada knowing nobody. Mm -hmm. Um, You moved Mm to Toronto then with your husband, again, like starting fresh, and you chose entrepreneurship. So can you just start off by telling us a little bit why entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I think I've worked in the wellness industry for the longest time.
2: I would say about 10 years now I've worked in the wellness industry. And for me, I've always been the type of person, even though my parents were like, go to university, get a well-paying job, you know, like earn a good salary just like do the very like corporate thing. Um because they were immigrants to Australia, so for them that was like the safe option. For me, I've always been I call myself the black sheep of the family or like a little bit of a rebel, and I've just always been really driven by what I'm passionate about. So I love health and wellness, I love education, And I kind of just fell into entrepreneurship really naturally after I finished university because um, at the time, which I think was like 2013, uh, wellness was just kind of a new thing and there wasn't this big industry that there is now. So I knew I wanted to work in the industry and that's kind of how I fell into entrepreneurship Um, and I loved it. I loved working for myself. I loved getting up every single day and just loving my job. I think that was the main thing for me. I just wanted to get up and love what I did every single day. I never wanted to be the person who, you know, lived for Friday afternoon and like dreaded Monday morning. I just wanted to just be happy every single day. And so I thought if I'm an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want to do. And so that was the initial reason why um, I started into entrepreneurship. Then when I moved to Canada, like you were saying, um, I came here on a two-year working holiday visa in 2016. So like you said, I didn't know anyone. I'd never actually been to Vancouver um, before. I just heard really good things about it from my parents. Um, So I moved there and I ended up, I didn't even have a job actually. I just had like an Airbnb booked for five days. Um, So anyone who knows me like knows that's just not like me. I'm very like type A organised I like to plan things. I'm not very go with the flow. So, um, yeah, I didn't even have a job, but I ended up getting a job working for a cold breast juice company out there. And then I ended up working in marketing for them for the time that I was out in Vancouver. Um, And then we moved to Toronto in 2018. And I still stayed in the marketing kind of area of the wellness industry. But I always knew that I wanted to get back into entrepreneurship because even though I worked for a great company when I was in Toronto and I loved going going to work, it wasn't fulfilling me like the way that I knew I could be fulfilled when I worked for myself previously when I was in Australia. And so that's when I started to get this idea of like, okay, now that I'm mm-hmm. here, what do I, like where I am right now in my life, what do I love? What do I want to learn more about? And how do I think I can create a business that will like be beneficial to me and help others so that's kind of how that journey kind of played out
0: oh I love it can you tell us a little bit more about the entrepreneurship in Australia was it every day was it the same brand
2: no so um I after I finished my undergraduate degree I went on to do my master's in wellness and I was living in Melbourne at the time um I'm originally from Perth
1: I don't know how
2: familiar you guys are with Australia
1: yeah I spent six months in Perth I studied abroad there Oh, did you? Did we talk? I don't remember. I don't know, think we it, talked about that before, story. but yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I've been, been in Perth. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm.
2: You have ever come across people who know Perth, so I'm always like a bit hesitant to, but that's very exciting. Um, so yeah, I moved to Melbourne. I did my master's in wellness and then I got into wellness coaching. So I was kind of just working freelance. So I was doing a lot of wellness writing for different wellness publications, um, a lot of like food coaching, some corporate wellness stuff Um, and that was kind of like the start of Instagram and social media so it was like a lot of work like what we would see now is like influencer work but back then it was like not paid you would get free Mm -hmm. product and and it would be like the most exciting thing ever I would just be like yeah sure I'll spend 16 (laughs) hours making recipes with this one product for you for free so um, yeah it was definitely more in like the nutrition food corporate wellness space um, but skincare was actually something that I was always really passionate about and skin health. So how our diet and our lifestyle can affect mm-hmm. the health of our skin, mm-hmm. which I still believe to this day is just as important as the products that you're using on, on your skin.
1: Oh, I totally agree. Okay, so then that's really cool that you have a entrepreneurial background before every day. I think that's something we hear a lot from our guests is just you know, this isn't their first time. They know that they want to be entrepreneurs and they're just going to keep going up to bat because that's what they're passionate about. So I think that's really cool. Um, Now, something we chatted about previously is that you started out every day by doing fully custom skincare for people. And I would love to dig into that because I think a trend that Is actually really worthwhile is that of doing things that don't scale when you're starting your business um, as a differentiator so I would just love to hear you know what your approach Mm -hmm. was um, Mm -hmm. going in fully as custom knowing that that wasn't going to to scale as your business grew
2: so when I first started to be honest
1: I wasn't really thinking too much about
2: whether it would be scalable or not that was something that came into my mind probably like three to four months down the track when I thought this isn't scalable, eventually this is going to have to change. But when I was doing, so when I moved to Toronto and I knew I wanted to get into skin health, um, I did my aromatherapy certification and I did my skincare formulation certification to just learn more about skincare, skin physiology, um, skincare chemistry, that sort of thing. And in my course, one of the main things that we had to do was make products and give it to people to try and get feedback. So that was kind of how the whole custom thing started because I always also thought like everyone's skin is so different. How could a face oil be for all skin types? Or, you know, you'd go in and be like this moisturizer is for all skin types, but dry skin is so different to oily skin, which is so different to sensitive skin. And it always, I just never really got that. I was like, everyone's skin is so unique. So I started um, just on my personal Instagram page. I think I just put up a story and I was like, hey, I make skincare now. If you want a custom skincare formulation, um, these are the products that I offer. Let me know. And I had people DM me being like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll try it. So initially, this was before I had even a brand name, to be honest. I was just selling oils in like dark bottle, like amber glass jars. <laughs> um, I would send people a Google form. Yeah. Actually, no, before the Google form, it was even more old school. I'm pretty sure it was a Word document. It was, like, really old school. And this wasn't (laughs) even a long time ago. This was, like, 2018, so a bit ancient. But um, people would – I would ask them a bunch of questions about their skin health, um, their skin type, the products they were using, and then I would ask them more questions into, like, their diet, lifestyle, nutrition. And I was always – Very transparent, like I'm not a doctor, I'm not a naturopath or a nutritionist, but looking at your lifestyle, I can definitely get more insight into why you might be having the skin concerns that you're having. So people would fill out this form, they would send it back to me, and then I would probably spend about an hour, an hour and a half looking through, thinking of ingredients, coming up with formulations that I think would work well with their skin profile. Um, And then I would make um, their products for them which obviously isn't scalable because I'm spending an hour and a half doing this free consultation and then, and then they would buy like a $30 face oil or something like that. Um, however, mm-hmm. it was really, really valuable to me and that is definitely what helped me to now eventually create the line that I have created because I gathered so much information from so many different people and got so much feedback just from that initial kind of like stage when we were just doing custom formulations um and then from that initial stage obviously I just Mm -hmm. kind of made the process more efficient so got rid of the kind of long consultation shortened the questions down to the most like important questions that I would need to create a formulation and then as time went on instead of doing every formulation as people would kind of submit their answers I could look at someone's like top three questions And immediately I would have a formulation in my head that I had already made for someone else. Like I I could be like, oh, I actually think this person would do really well with this face oil that I made for this customer last week. And so in that way, it was um, easier and quicker. Just kind of the process just got quicker and and easier for me as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mm Kels, how many times have we said, like, you just need to start and then see what happens from there. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this is so similar to your story. It's like, you didn't really know how it was going to scale or where it was going to go. You just had an interest and you put it out there. You put yourself Mm -hmm. out there and it ended up growing into a business, which is so inspirational. And yeah, like Kelsey, I think we say that all the time. Like we just need to start and keep going. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. the formula.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious because it's, you, you make it sound very easy. Oh yeah. I just (laughs) threw up my own Instagram page and all these people came for consultations, but we know that's actually hard work. How were most of these custom skincare customers finding you? Mm
2: -hmm. Um, yeah. So when I first started out, it was through my personal Instagram page and I was just doing it with friends and honestly, because at this point, so by this point, I think I had now had a, um, I had a brand name and I'd had some very basic, um, logos and labels built up. So I kind of did have a bit of a brand. Um, but the main thing was because I hadn't really even incorporated the business yet. So I hadn't put any money into it. It was purely word of mouth and referrals. Like when I think back to my first customers and how it grew, it was one of my good friends who I had made products for went away to a bachelorette party, um, with like 12 other girls. And then she came back and she was like, I told everyone about your skincare. And then like four people from that bachelorette party emailed me or DM'd me and they were like, oh, so-and-so told us about your products. We want to try them. And then from there, and I would say from there, which was like September, 2018 till May, 2019, which is actually when I launched my website. So it was a good like six months before I even had my website. all of mm-hmm. all of the uh, like all of my orders came from repeat business and just word of mouth. Like someone would tell their sister and they would tell their friend and they would tell this person. And then in between there, I started an Instagram page and I was kind of that's how I was promoting the products. And more people were inquiring through Instagram. But um, yeah, like I said, I didn't even have a website, so I would send people the product. They would e transfer me money um it was it was very basic but yeah it was definitely just word of mouth and repeat customers and that's just how the business kind of grew and that's along with my personal savings because the 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 business was bootstrapped that's kind of what gave me the funds to incorporate launch my website and just start in a more professional way
1: wow super cool and so when did you know it was time to pivot? Because now for those who don't know or haven't looked at the everyday site yet, you have um, different types of blends for different skin types. You have a skin quiz. So what was that tipping point? Was it simply just once you had enough money to actually invest more? Or was there a point where you're like, okay, no, I've figured out my formulation and now I want to scale this? So
2: that's a great question. It was... A combination of a lot of different things so like I was saying from the very beginning I knew that this model wasn't scalable and I knew that I wanted to grow the business so it was something that it was in the back of my mind but because I was still working part-time it just I didn't have enough time to sit down and really think about how that was going to happen and then when COVID hit I had a lot more time to really like focus in on the business and think about the long-term strategy And so that's when I went, okay, now is a really good time to sit down and think about how we're going to scale. So it's funny because I had a lot of, I could see on my website that we had a lot of people coming to the website, but our conversion rate wasn't the best. And so I asked people, I asked customers, I asked Mm -hmm. friends who weren't customers, like, can you go onto my website? Can you tell me, is it too confusing? Do you understand it? Like, if you just go on there, do you know how to flow through it? And a lot of the feedback I was getting was that it it was a bit of a confusing concept for people to wrap their head around Um, because for me, and this is another reason why I decided to create this um, like these set formulations. My particular customer is the type of person that likes to browse. They like to do their research. They like to read ingredient lists. They like to read reviews that when you're getting a custom product, It was just, I think there wasn't enough like solid information there because it was like you would do this skin Mm. quiz or fill out the profile and then you would submit, you would pay for your order, but you actually wouldn't know what you're going to be getting. It was just like you're putting the trust into this person you haven't met. Um, So for my repeat customers, it was fine. They tried the product, they were loyal, they could trust it. But for new people coming on, I think it was a harder sell. And I wanted to make it easy for people to just go on, browse, learn, and when they were ready, purchase something that they knew would be really good for their skin type. So um, last year I sat down and I went back through all of the skin consultations I had done, looked through all of my old formulations and kind of like looked through customers who would repeat purchase, like someone who had bought their face oil five times. Mm -hmm. And I kept note of the most common formulations, the best ones that people really loved. And then from that information came up with these four categories of the most common skin profiles that I really saw with my original customers to create the Skin um, Essentials line, which has the four collections that you see now, which are very specifically formulated for different skin profiles.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like it's so smart going through all of your top performers. Like that's something that brands would love to get to. That's a stage where brands would love to so intimately know their customers that they can start developing product based off of customer needs and wants. I think that's amazing. Did you notice that a lot of your custom skincare customers were converting to the essentials line or did they stay mostly custom? Um, so that's been interesting because we
2: launched, we launched the, the new collection in November last year. So November, 2020, um, and up until now, to be honest, I thought most people would kind of find something and switch over, but I actually have found that my custom, mm-hmm. customers, the formulations they really love, like if they really love their facial tonic formulation or their face oil, they'll purchase the custom because that's still an option that we offer, um, and then they'll try something mm-hmm. from another line. So a lot of my customers now that are repurchasing, oh. I find um, I don't think I've really had anyone buy like, oh, I've had a few people buy full custom again, but a lot of them will like mix and match. So they'll get, um, you know, the uneven tone and dull skin tonic mm-hmm. and their custom day oil. So I've definitely found that it's it's been a mix between the
0: two. Are you noticing any buying trends? Like you said, like the custom versus the essentials. Are you knowing that they're, noticing that there's like a certain cadence or anything else like that kind of stands out? Um, in terms of products, not
2: really. Like everyone's so different. Some people go through face oils. Like I have one customer who reorders her tonic every month and her face oil, like, every two months. And I'm like, <laughs> my face oil lasts me, like, eight months. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, very stingy with, like, my face oil. But I think it just depends on the customer. She's just putting
1: that everywhere.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm just like, what are you doing? Just, like, every single month. And sometimes she'll order two so that she doesn't run out. She's so funny. I'm like, okay, if you want to do that, you can. But um, more of a trend that I see um, in, like, purchasing and, like, um, consumer behavior would be, the bundles actually like people love a good bargain and Mm -hmm. so they tend to buy the bundles over the singular products um which is good because the products that are in the bundle have actually been formulated and put together because they make each other work better so like the tonic and the face oil work really well together and they're designed to be used together so that's definitely a a trend is like more people will buy Mm -hmm. the bundle for the value as opposed to like a singular product.
1: And I think a trend that we see um, or that we have been seeing is this more custom approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know you have a quiz on your website that helps people find the right products for them. How do you find that helps? Is it like really great for capturing email? Is it really good for converting? What are the biggest things that that quiz impacts?
2: So the quiz I actually only launched about two weeks ago. It's been on my to-do list for a long time yeah and i definitely it's not perfect but like you were saying just like done is better than perfect um and i definitely have found since i put put it up two weeks ago i it's definitely increased my email sign up so it's helping me grow my email list um Mm -hmm. and it's just there to help people choose which collection is going to be better for them it's a really quick quiz there are three questions but a lot of the time people um even if they read through the description of each collection they're still unsure so this um, really helps them to kind of narrow down on one. Um, but even within the collections, I do find a lot of people will mix and match. So if someone has really oily skin, breakout prone, but maybe they have scarring from acne they had a couple of months ago, I do find that they'll buy the oiliness and breakout um, products, but then they might get the uneven tone and dull skin, night oil to help with their scarring. So. Um, you definitely can mix and match, but the skin quiz just helps you to narrow down on the best collection for you. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think it it helps to keep people engaged because it just it better educates them on, on what's what, what is going to be best for them.
0: And you see companies like Function and Beauty and like Pros that we talked about on our last call. Mm -hmm. And they are blowing up because people love a custom product. Mm -hmm. And that's just how people are. I think now standing out and getting something that's specially designed for you and formulated for you just goes so far. Mm -hmm. You mentioned... You know, this time last year, you're in a transitionary phase, right, where you're launching um, new products, you're kind of reevaluating your model, things like that. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your biggest constraint or biggest bottleneck right now? Mm-hmm. So I would say that there would be two, which I don't think are, are unique to
2: me. I think they're very common to a lot of entrepreneurs in their startup phase of their business. Um, the first one would for sure be cash, cash flow and funding so like I was mentioning earlier um everyday skincare is bootstrapped which means I put my personal um money and savings into starting the company which I think was maybe like three or four thousand dollars it wasn't it wasn't a lot um and actually funny story not really funny but so when I moved to, to Canada I used my Australian credit card for like the first three years of living here so I don't I didn't actually have a credit score in Canada. So when I started Everyday Skincare, I couldn't even get a business credit card because I didn't have a credit score. So I was like really down to what, like I had this money and I had to just be so careful about how I spent it. Um, But honestly, since then, I think I've only had to put in maybe a thousand more dollars because the revenue from the sales have kept the business running. And because I work for myself and I don't have any employees and I have a small studio in my house that I make products from my overheads are very low. So I've been lucky, but you know, cash flow still is, is an issue, especially right now when I'm at the point where it's really starting to pick up and grow because, you know, you're always kind of worried about like, okay, like got to wait for this money to come in before I can do that. And it's very, it's, that's definitely mm-hmm. a challenge right now. Um, Luckily, we got awarded a grant by the government at the start of the year, so that money is going to help, um, which I think is
0: is a really good
2: way for people who maybe don't want to get investment or don't want to take out a big loan or use credit cards. Grants are a really good way to get an injection of cash into your business. Um, So that would be my first challenge. And then the second challenge, which, again, I think is not Mm -hmm. unique to me. Um, as a sole founder of a company, just doing everything yourself. You're basically the jack of all trades but the master of none and just doing everything is really exhausting. It can be very lonely. It can be a very lonely journey because you don't just have people you can Slack and Zoom, you know, and ask questions. It's just, it's just you and totally. it's like you're doing everything. So um, it's good because I love what I do but that's definitely – a challenge because you can only grow as as much as you can work um and nobody wants to burn out so yeah that's a big challenge right now
1: yeah and it's hard even I can imagine if you're doing it by yourself to keep yourself accountable I mean I guess if you have orders coming in you have to fulfill them and that sort of thing but Mm -hmm. Kelsey and I have said so much like if we didn't have each other Mm -hmm. to stay accountable to this podcast probably never would have started and we or if it had started, it would have been done by now. Mm-hmm. Um, so kudos to you. It's I can't imagine running business on my own. So yeah, definitely kudos. Um, so what are you seeing as the biggest opportunities for every day this year as you continue to scale? Where are you looking to next?
2: Um, so for this year, it's just going to be about building brand awareness and getting new customers on board, getting new people to try the product, getting the product out there, I haven't spent any money on advertising or paid advertising since starting the business. So this year will be the first year that I'm really putting money into it. Um, And I just started working with a local um, digital marketing company run by two girls who are doing um, great things. And so I just started working with them and they're going to help me with that. So it's just going to be about building brand awareness, growing the brand and the business in a really sustainable way so right now we have experienced year-over-year growth it's been slow but it's been sustainable which has been good for me because it you know I haven't woken up one day to like 500 orders in which I probably would have just like passed out Mm -hmm. from stress but um so yeah just to grow we've got some we've got some good partnerships coming up this year there are a few subscriptions subscription boxes that um, we're looking to be in later on in the year, which is really good. And um, so far as well, I've just sold direct to consumer on um, our website. So this year I'm starting to add a couple of retail partners onto that um, like sales side. So yeah, just working away to kind of to build, to build
0: the business this year. That's, That's the main goal. That's amazing. I mean, that's a lot coming up in one year. More power to you. That's amazing. Um, I'm a little curious, like, if we get to the point where, you know, we're establishing all these partnerships, you're in, you have like steady order flow and and the cash flow doesn't become an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. Bandwidth is still going to be an issue, right? Where do we go from there? Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Is that like scaling, like hiring people to...
0: Yeah, like your time is limited. And like, if you're doing all of this stuff for customer acquisition, and you know that you're going to be growing mm-hmm. the number of orders, how are you going to adapt as a business mm-hmm. to be able to support all these new customers? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so that's the next challenge that I'm kind of thinking about and figuring out in my head, because I've o- I always wanted to keep manufacturing in-house. Like my goal from the beginning was to keep it in-house mm-hmm. because I wanted to just, I like that. I like it when businesses manufacture their own products. It's got this certain trust factor to it, um, and that has always been the goal. But I think, like you were saying, with especially with investment, I haven't yet decided whether I want to, whether I'm going to look for outside investment or whether I'm just going to grow with the company as it grows. Um, but I have been speaking to just a few mentors and. About the possibility of outsourcing manufacturing. So starting with my best-selling products, and then eventually like moving on to the whole line as the business grows. And I think that is going to be key to to kind of keeping up because we have sixteen SKUs and then the custom the custom line. So it's not just like you know two or three SKUs where it would be a lot easier to manufacture in house. Like sixteen SKUs is, is a lot. Um, So, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's going to that's going to be the goal eventually to to do that. And then I would love to hire someone this year to help me and then eventually hire hire a team. Um, But, yeah, I think that's 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 the future. But I'm excited for that,
1: though. Oh, that's super exciting. Big things ahead for sure. Yeah, Um, I have two questions. I had one and then I had another one come up as you were talking. So you mentioned mentors. Mm -hmm. How do you go about seeking out mentors?
2: Um, So with, honestly, with COVID, it's been really hard because we haven't been able to go to networking events and meet people. Um, So last year I joined a few local Toronto women in business groups, which I met um, a few women through that and have become close friends with people through that. And then just some skincare relationships, um, business relationships that I've made previously (laughs) um, with people and I asked them, um, for their advice. And then honestly, like I always ask my husband for advice. He's he's kind of got a knack for business things and mm. he reads a lot and he listens to a, to a lot of podcasts. And so um, I'm always, always asking him um, for his advice and taking on board what I can. It's funny, you were talking about um, working for myself and like employees earlier on because I call. I say to my husband, he's my first employee, and he says I hire him and fire him every day. Like, I'll uh. ask him something, and I won't like his answer, and then I like You know. So, but he actually does give some good advice. So.
1: Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, okay, and so my next question is pivoting a bit, but um, I'm a bit of a skincare junkie as well. Mm-hmm. It kind of started when I started getting regular facials a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I learned a ton about misconceptions in skincare, especially with, like, is natural really always, does it always mean it's going to be good for your skin? And I learned no. And I also Mm -hmm. learned so many big brands um, that are so expensive actually have ingredients that Mm -hmm. aren't good for your skin. Um, So I would just love Mm -hmm. to hear your take on that. You know, as a skincare expert, what have you learned um, that is more marketing versus actual legit ingredients?
2: hmm I love this question. I feel like we could have a whole other podcast on this question. Um, but yeah, just like you were saying, some of those bigger brands, it's like they're owned by larger companies and they have all these little brands. And then it's like, what's the difference between this $150 face cream and this $30 face cream that's at the end of the day owned by the same company? They obviously manufacture in the same place and it's just branding. So a lot of the time price doesn't necessarily equal quality or value. Um, The second thing is I love what you were saying about natural skincare because I think that's just such a big thing right now. And I I don't like calling every day a clean, natural skincare brand because to me that's just marketing jargon. Like clean doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. Natural doesn't really mean anything. Um, that's why I like to call our skincare plant-based and minimalist because it describes what we are. Whereas I think that when, um, you know, some companies would be like, well, our products are clean and they're non-toxic and they're natural, you're kind of scaring the consumer into thinking that if they use something that isn't that, then they're going to be doing bad for their skin, which like you were saying, isn't the case because there are mm-hmm. a lot of synthetic ingredients out there that are completely safe for you to use, um, but they've just been demonized, I think, in in the media. And a lot of people, for example, with really sensitive skin, um, they can't use more plant-based ingredients or natural ingredients because their skin is more reactive to those kind of products, whereas with mm. synthetic ingredients that are made in the lab, mm-hmm. um, it can be more gentle on their skin. So there are obviously a few ingredients that you want to stay away mm-hmm. from. Um, but just because something is synthetic or it isn't natural doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad skincare product. Um, for me, I like using plant-based ingredients and oils and floral hydrosols because it's just such a pure plant, almost like a plant-based medicine for the skin. And oils, for example, are just really mm-hmm. bioavailable to the skin. So um, the skin loves that kind of stuff because there are similar um, fatty acids found in your own natural sebum that you can find in oils and um, a bunch of other things that I could just talk on forever. But, yeah, to, to your point, um, I don't think that one is better than the, than the other. It's just a matter of, you know, making a decision mm-hmm. on what skincare you use based on what is right for you, your skin, your values, who you want to support, Um, the value you want to receive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. And the one thing I always come back to is, is it Mm non-comedogenic? Because it seems to me like whether or not it's synthetic or it's natural, if the ingredients are comedogenic, I'll probably break out. That's at least what I've learned for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a better benchmark than opting for only natural products, because like you said, it's just marketing jargon. What is natural? Mm -hmm. That's not actually like a regulated term. Anyone could say they're Mm -hmm. natural in some sense. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely aligned.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Or like um, in the early days of doing skin consultations with people, the number one thing that people were doing was just using way too many products, which is again, why we advocate for minimal skincare and simple skincare routines, because the more products you use, sometimes the more damaging it can be for your skin barrier. And when your skin barrier is disrupted, that's when you're going to get oiliness, breakouts, dryness, irritation, redness. So a lot of the time I would tell people, hey, like if you don't buy any of my products, that's cool. But stop using 15 skincare products on your face. Just find a good cleanser, a good moisturizer, a good Mm -hmm. face oil, and your skin will improve. Um, And a lot of the time these people did, and they were like, oh my God, like... So yeah, it's definitely when it comes to skincare and skin health, less is more as well. That's another big um, value about.
0: Yeah. See, I feel like that's really encouraging for people who don't have 15-step skincare routines. You make it so approachable and you clearly know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. If someone wanted to come into your catalog and try one product Mm -hmm. as the first introduction to every day, what would you recommend to them? That's such a tough question. I think that's been the hardest, love them all. The all hardest
2: question all day. Um, <laughs> as, oh, I don't know. Oh, I would say so. The facial tonic is our most popular product, and it's the product that people love and keep okay. repurchasing. I think just because of the formulation, the way that I formulated it, it's not just like a spray for your face. I don't know, Emma, if you found it was a bit more hydrating and moisturizing because of the ingredients we use in there. So I would say the Mm -hmm. facial tonic, if someone was going to try something, that's probably what I would give them because you can easily incorporate it into your current routine. So you just spritz your face after you cleanse before you apply all of your other products. And then you can also use it to set your makeup or you can use it as a skin refresher hydrator throughout the day. If your skin is just feeling dry or parched or even as the weather warms up, if you just like want some extra hydration for your skin, it's just a really easy product
0: to use. So I would say the facial tonic. I think that's a great answer. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Emma's a big fan, even the oils. Honestly, I don't think there's a bad product in the whole bunch. So you can't go wrong. But I think those are probably good recommendations to start with.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, Kavisha, we ask everyone this question who comes on. Mm -hmm. And that is who do you think gets it? Mm-hmm. So
2: this question I had to think about. Um, so we we're talking about I don't I don't feel like many of us walk around with like one person at the top of our of our heads because I have so many. But mm-hmm. um, on the theme of like female founders and skincare, I thought I would pick um, these founders because. I've known of them and their brand for a while, but I listened to. I actually, I'm pretty sure I listened to Connie on your podcast. Did you have Connie from Three Ships on your was it your podcast? Oh yeah, yeah, she's. Great. And then I was like, yeah, I listened to them on another podcast too, and I just became obsessed with their story and how they grew their company so quickly in the year of COVID, especially with the health challenges that one of the founders went through. Um, so I listened to like five different podcasts with them and. Um, they bootstrapped their company and they kind of started in their kitchen. So I really resonated with their story, but um, they're just so smart and they're so young and they're so business savvy and they loved hearing their story and they just seem like such nice people. Um, and I think they just get it, like what they've done with their business and how they've iterated and how they've rebranded. Um, yeah, I think they just get it when it comes to skincare and business, I think
1: they're gonna do really well oh my gosh such a good pick such a good pick i mean obviously we're biased but But they couldn't be nicer kinder people and like you said they're also both so smart such Mm -hmm. hustlers Mm -hmm. i feel like we're gonna have you back on in a year and we'll be hearing about how you're in target and whole foods so (laughs) i can't
0: wait (laughs) have investors knocking on your door raising huge rounds it's coming it's coming
2: that bit that's so scary to me though i'm just like I'm like the creative and I like to just like make things and make things look pretty and make formulations. But anything business related, business side, finance, growth, scaling, investing, like that's that's not my jam. So, yeah, definitely going to have to
0: look for help in that. (laughs) <laughs> and that's where your network comes into play, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you asked Connie when she was in, or in, yeah, in university at Queens, starting the skincare company, if she knew that she was going to be negotiating investment deals with multiple investors, mm-hmm. she would have laughed in your face. Yeah. And so everybody sat in the position that you're in right now, Kavisha, and it's yeah. only a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I do have some good, yeah. I have
2: some good, um, what are they called? Like people in my corner that I can definitely ask But um, Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's like the joys. entrepreneurship it's like every day is new and yeah even Connie and Laura were saying in their interviews like they used to google everything at the start of their business which I feel like every I feel like every business
1: does that oh my gosh we google literally every day (laughs) and that's the beauty right like I think that's that's what helps make entrepreneurship more attainable in today's day and age is Mm -hmm. like you just have to have the hustle and the grit and the determination to go find the answers or find the people. And, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's easier now than ever to do that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And I also love that you're not putting pressure on yourself to like scale insanely quickly. You're doing this because you love it. And I think that's why you're having the success that you are. Um, and you clearly Mm -hmm. have, you know, clearly something's working. You've got repeat customers and yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's been so much fun having you on Kavisha and of course we're over time.
0: Classic. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but yeah, thank you so
1: much for coming on. And um, we're excited to sing every day's praises because you just have an awesome brand that you're building.
0: Okay, so Kavisha's awesome. I feel like every time we get on the line with an entrepreneur, even if it's an industry that I feel like I know, I learn so much. The biggest thing for me is like, this is probably as good as it gets in terms of, so intimately understanding who your customer is and what they want from you. Like even think back to what she was doing the first time around with these custom skin consultations and perfectly formulated products. Like that does not happen often. And once she has all this data, she knows exactly what our customers want from her. It makes it so much easier to pivot and to introduce new products because you already know what works.
1: Oh my gosh, it's like such a smart way to start a business and i would encourage anyone who's starting business regardless of the industry if you have that opportunity to build really close relationships with your customers and test things with them do it um and my other big takeaway is like just start if you Mm -hmm. want to start a business just start just put it out there see where it goes and go from there like she started doing these custom skincare because she learned about skincare she knew a ton about it she thought it would be you know fun and now she has a business um, because of it so Kelsey it's something we say to each other all the time too like you just start and you just keep consistently working at it Mm -hmm. and see what happens um And yeah, so I think that's my big takeaway from this episode. I'm going to plug our discount code with Everyday again. It's TheyGetIt15 for 15% off your first order with Everyday. Um, And then I'm also going to do my annoying plug that I always do. Uh, If you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, it really helps us out. And with that, we will leave you until next week. See you next week. Bye.